0: Anatomical Skull by Proco. Anatomical Skull, Di- skull by I you. Are you, are you this is the Proco Podcast Draftsman with the Anatomical Skull by Proco. Hi, everybody. This is the Draftsman Podcast. I am Marshall Vandruff, an art instructor.
1: Oh, and I'm Stan Prokopenko on the other part of the show. I... OH MY GOD! WHAT THE FUCK Whoa. IS HAPPENING RIGHT NOW?
0: HOLY SHIT! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great to remain calm. What the hell is your
1: problem, Sean? You're hyped, man. You need is to that hype. the hype monkey? <laughs> you need to be hyped! Sean... My the ex-employee of Proco <laughs> just what is this called? Confetti a cannon. confetti cannon, a giant one, all over the set.
0: It was a beautiful touch, Sean.
1: I'm glad you appreciated it. I do. You needed the hype. I think a loud noise wakes us up.
0: <laughs> yeah, Ready for the
1: podcast.
0: Okay. I feel uh, more alive now that that gunshot. I was worried off. you guys
1: might be dead.
0: Yeah, no heart attack I not like on I died.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So okay, Marshall. Last week, um. Someone asked us about Dan called and about asked scheduling and all that, and we're going to talk about this today. What have you been up to, Stan? Um, what have I been up to? What have I been up to? I don't remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Working on a that was interesting. But, uh, you no, ruined my I think brain. Should, <laughs> no, no, no. That was great. You
1: it. it humanizes you. Total reset. Oh yeah. I've been working on the calf muscle episode.
0: Uh huh. How's it of going? Anatomy. It's going well. It's and after episode. that, there's only the foot. No,
1: then we got the anterior uh, lateral. Anterior lateral muscles yeah. of the, and then we got foot, and that's it.
0: Okay. Yeah, we're Almost putting a little done. bit
1: more Skelly into this episode, just a little bit. Good. People said that they miss Skelly, so we're gonna put a little more. So more gags. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, a little more. Okay. Yeah, that's what I've been up to. Good. Marshall, what about you?
0: Uh, I've been teaching the summer oh. classes. Nice. I love teaching the summer classes. They don't feel like work. They feel like I'm going and hanging out with people I'd want to hang out with anyway. Oh. And I don't grade anybody in the summer classes, so there's no reason for anybody to hate me. It's really nice to go there and socialize oh. and immerse in these Great works of art. It is it is never gets old to me
1: You should mention that thing that you were so stressed about forgetting last
0: week. Oh from last episode. Yes About choosing your parents. Yes. There is something that I wanted to mention from the last episode about choosing your parents one of the most common problems with choosing your parents is that I mean artistically speaking is that the tyranny of the now, the people who are hot right now that everybody knows is what everybody else is looking at, sometimes, oftentimes, it's best to go back a generation or three or five. In fact, I would even say, go back a hundred years or more because you're going to find stuff that people don't know and when you bring it out and you renew it, it is going to be so old that it seems fresh to people. And there is a tendency for students not to do that because it's old. They say, I don't want a parent who wears corsets or has a neck beard. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's not, you're looking at the surface, there may be stuff under there, there may be things that are really worthwhile that could be an advantage and you can always shave a neck beard. I mean, you may say that I don't like some of the things about the old style that don't work for me. Uh, There's more than one component. To an artist. And also, there's old style is great. You know, Doré's yeah. engravings had such an influence on Bernie Wright's and of Frankenstein. That. I'm guilty of that. Anything that's hot is going to go out, it's going to seem dated for, uh, for a while. And anything that's out is going to come back. Well, maybe, maybe not everything. Uh, Neck beards may never come back, mutton chops will. Because mutton chops, people are going to look at it and say that is kind of cool, and they're going to go and then it'll go out again. I've yeah. seen it happen. You a couple should times bring in my back life. man babies. Well, I'd be the type to do it. Bodybuilder babies. Yeah, just little—they're little small humans. Also, knowing some of those things, you know, people might see cartoons. If they were to see cartoons uh, in another generation, they'd say, "Why does everybody look like that?" They wouldn't understand it. It's just culturally, yeah. you get used to certain things that seem normal to you. Yeah, and I think that the stuff, the stuff that is popular right now, much of it is great. Oh, I mean, just it's an era of incredible productivity and, and quality that's surging. But I, I think we're all we're always blind to our cultural biases. We can't keep yeah. from it.
1: No, I agree. Sean, can you play that question again from last week? Yes, yeah. question. All right. So from Dan. Hey, how's it going? My name is Dan. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I just discovered Proko's Instagram remembering that I saw his YouTube videos probably two years ago and really thought they were super helpful. I do art not very consistently and I go through phases of being good about, you know, developing my skills and then I just go through long
0: drought periods. So I'm wondering what your guys advice is for establishing a daily routine. What type of daily routine do you recommend for people who are on and off with their art? That's pretty much it. Thanks a lot guys.
1: Yeah, so um, we addressed part of that last time and now in this week we're gonna we're gonna talk about a schedule, um, how to learn on your own, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: routine. Yeah. Yeah. You've got more to say about this than me I think. I do? Unless you want me to start. (laughs) <laughs> I think I can keep it short. I think I can do something in two minutes. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, and, then, and then hand it off to you and yes. then and then bounce back and forth. Okay. Uh, there's, Dan, there's two ways that this kind of discipline happens. One is from external structure. That is, you are in school and you've got a deadline. You got a client waiting for the job and you've got to deliver it. You've got someone expecting something from you and that's an external structure that holds you up because you don't dare disappoint the structure that you're committed to. That works. If you're having trouble, how can you make it so that uh, Justin Sweet took classes just so that he'd have a deadline to finish this painting, something to push up against. That's external structure. Uh, The internal structure is more like you've swallowed a gyroscope and you've got something in you that has got to do this and it can lead to manic periods of production that you've just got to do this, you'll stay up for 16 hours and then only sleep long enough to revive yourself and get back to it. People who do that sometimes then collapse and go into their non-productive time which it sounds like that might be what you're doing. But those are the two big divisions I see. One is that you get the structure from the outside, you get totally used to that then when you're left on your own, you, can't, you, you don't seem to have the impulse to do anything. Other people just get really amped up and want to do it and and I'm not sure which one relates to you but it sounds like you're telling us you don't have an external structure that's holding you accountable and you're trying to do this on your own and your gyroscope is failing.
1: Yeah. I think one very common question related to this is about is about like how many hours a day do I practice? Yeah. Or how many topics should I practice in one day. People want to get like really specific answers to like what kind of schedule they should create for themselves. And I think that it, it there's no one answer to people. Like if you can focus very hard on deliberate practice for eight hours a day and you have that time, do it. Like th- the answer is as much as you can. Um, but you probably can't, you're probably going to get tired earlier. And then you're just gonna be wasting time because you're kind of half practicing. Um, so you have to be able to take breaks. I get tired after like three to four hours of really intense, focused drawing or painting, and then I have to break for several hours. And then sometimes I can come back and do another two or three. Um, but sometimes I just I just go do something else other than intense drawing and painting. I'll just. Um, do something a little bit easier maybe do like emails or you know just yeah yeah office stuff i can mm-hmm. do, you know focus on other stuff that needs to get done um and, and save my m- most energetic times of day for that intense focused study and, and creating art um but it's up to you some people can draw all day long right are you t- are you that type of person
0: uh, w- when I would spend 12 plus hours in my studio on a project and never go outside, I remember feeling so good at the end of the day. Wow. Yeah, I loved it.
1: Yeah, I can't do that. So, if you're like Marshall, do it if you have that time. Um, but th- and then another thing people ask is, do I focus on one thing or a bunch of other things or a bunch of little things? It's like, it depends on what you really want. Like if you're really, really, really into anatomy right now and you're just really into it, go ahead and spend all day studying it. If you've got that uh, that that intense desire for it, feed it. It's rare to have that. I mean, that, maybe it's not rare. It depends on also your personality. Well, that's
0: right. And you'll, you also may not have it at some point, so yes. take advantage of it while yeah. you've got it.
1: If you've got that desire to learn something specific, just feed that desire. I mean, it's it's not like you're feeding a your desire to like, you know, play video games or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you're feeding a your desire to learn anatomy or practice gesture. But if you, for example, think that you you need or you know that you need to practice gesture, but you don't enjoy it too much, maybe just try to inject thirty minutes of it into your day. Just because you don't enjoy it, but you know you need to do it, so you just throw it in there. Mm-hmm. Be disciplined and then move on to something else, work on a project. Mm -hmm.
0: It's not, I don't think it's possible to give, to say that it should be eight hours a day, it should be four hours a day. I mean, somebody can come along and say, maybe they've done the research to find out that there's an optimum of this but there's For uh, who?
1: An optimum for who? Everyone's optimum optimum
0: for That's right. One person might not even need to exercise that muscle because they've just got that strength already. So, an exercise program can be general, But it also is best if it's specific for what sport you're going to play because it's going to be a different set of exercises for one sport or another. And that's one thing is that it's if it's prescribed specifically for what it is that you need and what it is that you are setting out to do. One of the most common examples, though, is: Should I, should I study, study perspective? Should I study anatomy? How much should I study perspective? How much should I study anatomy? And my response is: None. You shouldn't put a minute into studying perspective or anatomy <laughs> if you are seeking to be a graphic designer. It oh. might help you. It might make you a better graphic designer some way. But I certainly wouldn't master anatomy perspective if you're going to be a graphic designer. Graphic designers, an artist. Some of the greatest artists of the last hundred years have been graphic designers. So, you've got to Wait, you've I'm got confused. to be tailoring this for where
1: you're going. Okay, but just to, to <laughs> clarify, people who are listening who are learning to draw should learn perspective.
0: I think people should <laughs> learn perspective, but again, <laughs> hey, again, the people who are going to do some of the best world building and things that perspective masters did in the past uh-huh. are already doing it and many of them don't know perspective, they're using the tools of 3D, they're doing it in Maya. Yeah. So, again, these things... Uh, that's I, that's I not the full
1: picture of perspective. You, you're talking about world building and, and drawing literal blocky shapes and, and cityscapes, right? Yeah. But drawing the figure, you need to learn perspective too. You do. So, y- okay, you can't just I, use a computer to fix all your perspective problems.
0: No, but the point is, uh, I, I understand that I overstated the case and I think people should, I think artists should Yeah, I know. You're a perspective, perspective teacher. Yes. But the, God, the point it, is Marshall. that Dan, until you say, uh, if you're looking for how much time you should uh, practice a day. The answer is unfortunately, always, it depends. It depends, it depends. So, if you were going to make a general thing, there has been research done about how long your attention span lasts and how 20-minute bursts or two-hour bursts and those kinds of things. Uh, I don't, I can't cite the research, I know that uh, Eddie O'Connor refers to some of it for athletes.
1: Yeah. I do like a little bit of structure and I can suggest some little structures, but people again, tailor it to yourself. I always like to warm up. You know, like if you do if you're playing sports, you warm up.
0: And the warm up's enjoyable.
1: It is. Oh yeah, you you got a story on that, right? You've been doing warm ups. Yeah. But yeah, hold on. <laughs> uh-huh. No, don't, don't interrupt me. <laughs> in my own head. Um for example, like in life drawing class, we would always warm up with some quick sketch. Even if it wasn't a quick sketch class, the model would just do like uh, you know, seven threes. Mm-hmm. Three-minute poses, seven of them. And we would just warm up and then we'd go into the long pose. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I'm just painting at home, I just- or if I'm drawing at home, I just warm up with a page of circles or a page of lines or filling in tone if I'm gonna be rendering or s- just warm up with some little exercises. Um, and yeah, all of these exercises can be tailored to what you're trying to get better at. Uh, one thing I recommend to people, um, who are trying to study the figure and also be able to construct it from imagination and kind of develop their visual library of the figure is to draw from a photo. So you study a pose, you draw it, then you put it away, you flip the page and you draw it again from memory or you look at a photo but you draw it from a different angle. Yes. And then you put it away and draw it again from your memory from a different angle. Yeah. And like it's great exercises.
0: Great exercise. And um, it, it can hardly be done without some knowledge of perspective.
1: Yeah. And that could be a way to just get your head in the mode of constructing something. Yes. Um you just do like do do one of these. Spend fifteen minutes on it. That's your warm up. Get this like that's a good warm up not just for your shoulder to kinda like loosen you up, mm-hmm. but a good mental warm up too. Get you mm-hmm. thinking of all those fundamentals that are required to build, construct, and you know think about the gesture, because mm-hmm. when you're copying from a photograph, you're just making measurements. You're just going. You're just checking things. When you then have to um, do it from recall, you're doing something different. You're imagining things. You're um,
0: exercising a new part of the muscle. You're exercising yes. a new muscle.
1: And that's that muscle should still be used even if you're drawing from reference. Indeed. So that's why it's so important to do that is because when you're copying from reference, you shouldn't really just be copying. It should be used as a guy, it's a reference.
0: Do you know Robert Beverly Hale's quote about that? That if no. you cannot draw a hand without looking at a hand, you most certainly cannot draw a hand by looking at one. <laughs> wow. And so, which I didn't <laughs> that understand that at first. Now, I understand though. By looking at it, all you're gonna do is copy it or you're gonna look at it and then say now I'm gonna choose to interpret it this way. He said it so much better than me. <laughs> well, In
1: like cut that whole previous four bit out. seconds. <laughs> I had a mentor uh-huh. who told me to analyze every minute of my schedule for a week mm-hmm. to write down everything I do. Okay. Every ten minute block, you write it down, yeah. you log it, and then at the end of the week, you then go through and you categorize it. You don't have to color code it, but you, you categorize it by like I am creating art. I am doing like office crap like emails and paying bills or I am having fun, I'm socializing, sleeping, stuff that you have to do all the time. And it you makes just, you
0: aware of everything. It though. makes
1: you aware of everything you do and then you just have a really clear idea at the end of the week of like, wow, like I'm, I could have so much more time to do these things that will make me the person I want to become if I just change the things I do. That would change the things I I decide to do with my time. it's great. It's amazing how much time you waste. When it all adds up, when you add it like over a month period, it's like wow, I could have had an extra like three full days of drawing if I just make one small change to my routine.
0: I'm thinking of an analogy though that I want to mention here. In the composition class that we did this last weekend, the the first thing we learn to compose with is the elements. And so, we name those elements and be sure we understand them. And then we make the point that every artist composes with these elements but if you Mm -hmm. aren't aware of them, you can hardly be composing well. I mean, you might accidentally compose well. So, we've got to be aware of the elements. And when you do that bit where you take every little these several minute segments mm-hmm. and can know what this is all the parts. Now I'm going to clump these together, I'm going to consolidate this, I'm going to cut these out altogether. Yeah. And when you do it, you uh, I think the same phenomena that happens in music or storytelling or composition happens is that you can't compose without, can't compose well without being aware of what your opposites are. One of them would be sitting and standing. One of them would be being with people and being alone. Another one that's a big deal these days is artificial light versus natural light. That I am sitting in front of the computer and this would be the time while it's still bright outside to go outside and get some natural light into my eyes. Mm. Another is input and output that you read and it's input and then you watch a movie and it's input. Well, how about if you read and then you write? And how about if you have yeah. a, watch a movie and then you brainstorm ideas? And that when it's seen graphically on your calendar, I think can be oh, a man. great way to do self-diagnosis and self-therapy for how to arrange a schedule for better effect. I like that. We're giving Using them your- wisdom, Stan. <laughs> Damn, Marshall.
1: Actually, what you said about going outside—that helped me a lot. I developed back problems um, from sitting too much. Sitting for me was like smoking, mm-hmm. um, because you know when you're sitting, your mu- your hips are in this corner, so your the the hip muscles hip here plusters, yeah. they get tight. Oh yeah. And then when you when you stand up or do anything, your your back muscles are 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 overused or whatever, yeah. and then your back starts to hurt. Um, and so, walk, I walk to work almost every day now, it's about, it takes me about an hour. Yeah. And that just, it relaxes all my muscles. Yeah. It also gets my mind going, so when I come in, I'm ready to- Indeed. All full blast. So, getting a little, a little work on there, it doesn't have to be an hour, um, I I multitask. so to me an hour is okay because I usually schedule my meetings during that hour that I'm walking. Mm-hmm. So, I'm always, all my meetings are also
0: during my- my walking. It's consolidating. uh, Another thing is the things that are non-negotiables come first. That if if you're choosing a color scheme in a painting and you say, which colors am I going to use? Well, which color do you have to use? This absolutely has to be a certain red. Okay, now you've got something to key off of. And if you, when I was, I did yoga classes for three or four years which was wonderful. I wish I'd started at 20 or 30 years earlier and because those yoga classes were scheduled, they might have one at 2 in the afternoon, one at 11 in the morning, whatever. It's like that's a non-negotiable. I don't arrange that, they do. So that means I know what to do before, what to do after and, and so that's getting the pieces in the puzzle that are solid enough for then you, you can move the other pieces around for effect. Uh, yeah, I think this, that uh, this answers Dan's question to some mm-hmm. the, and, and also answers to other people. Yes. About schedule, do you categorize? Do you when you did the thing where you were breaking it down into minutes? Did you categorize? Did you put them into saying this is?
1: Yeah, This is
0: grooming time. This is this. <laughs> I is think
1: I had like a more of just like a miscellaneous like daily stuff like bathroom, shower, sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just one category. Yeah. Like these are things I can't really. I mean, I could sleep less, but. It, <laughs> You should get you some good sleep. To. You don't no. want to. That shouldn't be the first thing you 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 get rid of. Uh-huh. Is Not, sleep. No. No. They, they, you should try to manage your time, your awake time better. Yeah. First. <laughs> yeah, I, I, then you can sacrifice an hour
0: of sleep. I've I've heard of more and more research recently mm-hmm. that uh, depriving of sleep is is worse than people thought that it was. That it's got all sorts of negative Yeah. Affects. Sure, yeah, I deprive myself of sleep terribly uh, in meeting deadlines, but I don't now. I sleep nice. and it's it's great sleep. Sleep's enjoyable. Yeah. But you know there there's another thing about the uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I gri- I get seven. How many do you get?
0: Pardon? How many hours do you get? I always get at least eight. At least 8? At least 8, yeah. Wow, nice. But you know, I used to sleep 10 and 11 hours and, and 12 hours and I did it uh, I think by nature and people said that as Holy you get older, shit. you sleep less. But you know, the great thing about sleeping a lot was that at the end, those last couple hours are where the most vivid dreams happen. And I knew some other people who sure. were really heavy sleepers.
1: But is that what you need is the, just the vivid dreams?
0: I, it was, I, it substituted for movies. These were my own personal so movies. I would wake up with these so vivid dreams. So, you're sleeping and <laughs> watching a movie yeah, at the I'd same time. Cre- I also kept a dream journal for years which was <laughs> oh, great. Pretty, it was wonderful. to. I, I tried
1: once and I couldn't.
0: I yeah, forgetting. not everybody's into that. It opens up the penumbra between your dream mind and your waking mind and it can be great for writers, great for people who are seeking, mm-hmm. cre- it's a good creativity exercise to keep a... Uh, a dream journal. But there, we're wondering, I want to get back to where we were with the uh, don't cut out sleep was one thing. That's not the first thing to do.
1: Well, um, one thing that people ask all the time is how do you balance like work and in your personal life? Oh, okay. Um, now, I remember what I was going to say, yeah. Keep going. I might say the same thing as you go. ahead. Though. I think the the answer is that you, you have to always be off balance but in different ways. Mm-hmm. Cause like, because
0: it, keep, it keeps you aware, keeps you alert? No,
1: it's just because you have, you, you cannot be in balanced. There's not enough time to, to, to be balanced. You just have to choose which way are you unbalanced.
0: I think I get it. And are if, if, you're, if you're perfectly balanced, you're holding still. Kinda. When you're moving forward, you're going to be off balance this way and then off balance. You have
1: balance. to make sacrifices is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. If you're young, I decided to sacrifice social stuff when I was young. I would basically, I would go out with my girlfriend, now wife, um, like once or twice on a weekday and it was only after like I'm done, it was just dinner. And then weekends were for her. Um, But a lot of people would do a lot more than that. Um, Sometimes I would even say, hey, I I can't go out this weekend. I really got to finish this painting. I would make those sacrifices and she was okay with it, you mm-hmm. know, she didn't like it but that's why I'm yeah. married now, right? Um, so I think that when you're early on in your, in your maybe 20s, you ha- I think you need to be unbalanced in, 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 and sacrifice some social stuff to get really good. If you really want to be a pro artist, you have to be unbalanced, way heavy on the, the drawing practice. I believe that. Um, and then you could in later part of your life, like let's say you're 30 and 40, go unbalanced in the work and focus on your kids. Yep. You know, balance it out in a different way, unbalance it in a different way. And then when you're 60, I don't know, Marshall, you tell us. <laughs> well, I
0: can't tell you about now but I can tell you in retrospect, I've seen students that have done so well because they sacrificed social life. Yeah. Uh, but some of them did it wisely. They just chose to socialize only with people who were fellow travelers. And they got their social needs met, but they said no to multi-task. almost everything that, yeah, it is. It's, and, and also, it, it, you end up with really great long-term relationships of that you know, we sort of went through the war together. But here's something that occurred to me about this imbalance thing. Yep. Because here's what happens when you become a professional. As soon as your money comes from your creativity, when your money comes from your art, there is this sharp division in your life of the stuff that makes me money and the stuff that doesn't. The stuff that is my work and yeah. everything else. And I find that even when I have times where I don't need to be too concerned about money, I feel guilty about anything that is not aimed toward income. So, that is tends to happen, especially if you freelance. I mean, if you've got a secure job, it may be uh, uh, easier to do it. But if you're a freelancer, you figure this is going to bring me income, I'd like to work on these little art projects over here but they won't bring me income and so you neglect it and you don't grow in that way. There was one uh, uh, rep. An art, an illustrator's rep who was who was loved. A lot of reps weren't loved. This rep was loved. It's like an agent. Uh, yeah, an agent, okay. a person who gets the artist's work, mm-hmm. who encouraged the illustrators who worked with her. To do their own projects on the side, trying to make it, make it easy for you stuff to take a week off and sell. do that kind of thing. So, they wouldn't sell, but wow. it, that, but that means that's that you're going to be growing, and that and there's a self self interest in it. It means that if your stuff gets old and people don't want to uh, hire it anymore, I'll still be repping you because you might uh, reinvent your style. Yeah, but that's
1: good. It's that play that we were talking about, was it last episode? Mm-hmm. Where if you're trying to find your style, yeah, you do master studies but you also have to play. Deliberate play, yes. Just Mess experiment.
0: Around. When you do it for money, it's, it's harsh because it's for money and it can still be great but when you're doing it as a student and preparing to do it for money, then you do not have this external thing that says you've got to meet this deadline, you've got to invent it yourself or you've got to have friends that create it for you but you'll still be thinking. Uh, some of the students who have become the most successful have been the ones, one of them I asked him to stay and watch a movie with my class and he said, no, I, I can't, I can't, I don't watch movies. I said, what do you mean you watch? I can't watch movies because when I watch movies, I feel like I, I ought to be drawing. And he was really committed to that and okay. you know, his, his career bore it out is that movies are a no-no because that means two two hours mm-hmm. of not concentrating on the thing that's important to me. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's unbalanced. but. Hopefully, it's not like a mental problem where it's causing him anxiety. You
0: know what I mean? I confronted him on that very thing. I said, "This seems like obsessive compulsive yeah, behavior. It could be. yeah. That I can't have five minutes of the day without drawing." And he immediately shot it back at me and said, "No, no, no. I don't. I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I like to. This is what I really like to do." And so we had that little conversation, and he was very quick to let me know that his passion is roaring, and that's the reason for his obsession compulsion.
1: Yeah. No, I get that. That was uh, that was my passion too. Like the reason I sacrificed social stuff is because I wanted to. Yeah. It wasn't like I was miserable doing that.
0: I had a teacher, Don Hendricks, first semester in junior college who said that uh, somebody was asking him about how students succeed and he said, S- talent is not the thing that makes it happen. What is the thing that makes it happen? No, he said, more than anything else, it's which, which people like to spend the most time in their studios. The people that just love being in their studios and they spend all their time, in those are the ones that tend to have careers mm. and I remember making my decision right then. My studio is going to be my main lair. that's where I want to spend most of my life and if you enjoy it. There are, I was at a, a show of a woman who's a painter, she used to be my student and she just seemed like she was so at ease with herself as this opening and all these people and somebody asked her, do you experience bliss? <laughs> it's a strange question. She said, I do, I do experience bliss quite a bit. And I chimed in and said, "In your studio when you're working." And she said, "Yes, in my studio while I'm working. I think that's not unusual. That people get into the zone in their studio and they love it. And then it does not become a discipline issue." Okay, now, I thought you were—that
1: was like a pickup line or something. No, no, no. Excuse me. Do you experience bliss? <laughs> hey, I am Johnny
0: Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> you can experience. Welcome to the experience. Bliss. Oh gosh. <laughs> Yeah, well, if we were to rewrite that story.
1: <laughs> we interrupt this programming for an ad break. This episode is sponsored by Proko Drawing Lessons. That's right, I'm sponsoring my own podcast because nobody else wants to. If you want to learn how to draw, if you want to improve your knowledge of figure drawing and figure anatomy, look no further than Proko.com. There are hundreds of free lessons on our YouTube channel, but the premium courses over at Proko.com slash store have more detailed videos and a lot of assignment demonstrations. Our anatomy course also includes 3D models of all the bones and muscles that you can rotate around and study from right in your browser. It has PDF ebooks for each lesson so you can review the information whenever you want to come back to it. And if you're looking to save some money, we have several discounted package deals. Head over to Proko.com and start learning. How do we transition out of an ad in a clever way? Gee, You've that was a nice. Was that ad. It? You've just done it. Welcome that, that magic. Was perfect. <laughs> Stupid.
0: Gee, that was a nice ad and that was a quality product, but this Proco anatomical skull seems like it's the Don't best. mention
1: that. yet. that's my thing.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Don't talk about my thing.
1: Okay, we're going to move on to voicemails. If you guys want to call in and ask us a voicemail, no, ask us a question via voicemail. Yeah. Ask us a voicemail via yeah. questions. Um, all you have to do is call 858-609-9453. Love that number. If you're in America, I guess anyone the It's United In the United, in the United States if of America. If you're not in America. If you're not in America, you'll have to do a, a country code. I think our country code is <laughs> one. still worth it. One. Because right? we are number one. Wow, yeah. Sean. Uh, whoever invented this the phone. This is phones, 2019, whoever man. Whoever invented phones thought America was never one. <laughs> North America. I think Canada's also one. Is it? Mexico might also be one. Really? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Cool. Great. Sean know. knows Great everything. Insight. This could all be fake. I, this <laughs> this <can> all be <laughs> fake. could all be fake.
0: All right, uh, Sean. All right. I keep <laughs> calling you Marshall. <laughs> He's as good looking as Marshall. Yeah.
1: Got a few years earlier, but yeah. we're yeah. about...
0: I love that hair.
1: Sean, play us (laughs) one of our voicemails, please. From Olivia. Hello, Olivia. Hi, I'm Olivia, and I was wondering about your thoughts on when to start selling artwork. I'm a high school student at an intermediate skill level, and my ultimate dream career would be to become a full-time gallery artist. I'm thinking that it would be good for me to start selling my
0: work and start my business career in art early so I have a better future with it. But I don't know if I should wait more
1: since I really want to be growing my skill set as well and I don't want that to be hindered because of the business side of an art career. Any advice?
0: Thank you. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Thank you, Olivia.
1: I don't think you need our advice. I no. think she knows exactly she's got her you, act you, together. Yeah, like you know that you should probably start selling early yeah to kind of get your business sense up figure it out because as a, as an artist you are running your own business you're yeah free any freelancer if you're doing gallery stuff you're you're selling your your product on your own your own business so starting early is good but you also know the pitfalls. so that is that you might start creating artwork that you think is just gonna sell and so you're kind of selling out right
0: you're, you're what do you mean what? How do you mean when you say selling out?
1: Meaning you're not creating art based on what you want to create and what you think is going to be good. Mm. You're, you're making it based on what you think is just going to okay, sell. Okay, yeah, yeah. It becomes just commercial. just pleasing the, yeah. the collectors and not right. yourself as an artist. Yeah. So you already know that as a pitfall before you've even started. So you're fine just to mm-hmm. keep yourself in check. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay to occasionally do a painting just to sell it. You got to make money. Mm -hmm. Just know that that's what you're doing and then then do some where you're just experimenting and playing, doing your own thing. Um, I think you already know that though.
0: Yeah, Uh, and this, this, you are bringing up the irony that the division between commercial art and fine art was always understood that the commercial artists have sold out and they do whatever the market wants and the fine artists do the real truth, the truth, (laughs) truth, truth truth stuff and that that, that's where they belong. And when you look at the way the real world works, it is not that way at all. For the few people I know that have uh, attempted to make their livings in fine art is that if it doesn't sell, you still don't make a living. So, you're going into a... If you go into commercial art, it's going to be rough. If you go into fine art, it's going to be rough. But fine art is supposed to promise you a scope of you have way broader latitude for what you want to do and what you get to do. Yeah. It's still got to sell though and if you're in high school, this might be a great thing to do is just say, you know, I'm going to do a dozen different things that I feel like they should sell and see which ones do sell, and then you're doing research. But yeah. it, it is great though that as young as you are, you're trying to sell. Yeah, you she's talking
1: about specific gallery work though. Gallery she work. Yeah. Okay,
0: gallery. then I I have a. I, she
1: said fine art gallery work sort of thing.
0: Do you so, know much about people who who do stuff with galleries? Do you do stuff with galleries yeah, and they I sell in your in work?
1: Yeah, I've been in several galleries. Yeah.
0: Tell uh, yeah. That's the
1: path that I went down. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I started selling my artwork very early on. Like, like how before young? I even started at Watts, yeah. This I was only selling to like friends though. I mean I was super young. I couldn't. I wasn't like market. There's no internet. Well, there was, but it wasn't like there was no marketplace for selling art on the internet uh-huh. back then. Um, so I was selling to like my parents' friends. Mm-hmm. They would, but it would it was all be it was just cheap, like a hundred bucks for their a portrait commission or something. Uh-huh. And it was just practice, and it felt made me feel good. Like wow, yeah. I'm a professional. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it like, it gets you going. It's good. Um, it is. And, and then when I was at Watts, after a few years, I started trying to get really serious about it, like actually getting into a gallery, and I did. Um, the way I did it was that um, I won an award at, in Scottsdale at a show, it was a juried show, and. You know, jury shows always have like an opening night. Everyone mm-hmm. comes, and there's collectors, and you sell mm-hmm. stuff. And then there's oh, there's awards like best in show, best uh, portrait. Um, like there's magazines that give awards like best um, art magazine mm-hmm. award. Like you know, I I, wo- I won the uh, artist choice award. Huh. Which I was like, "Holy crap! That's the best one!" Because every artist who was in the show voted, uh-huh. and I went around all the galleries in Scottsdale. I was like, "Hey, guess what? I just got this award!"
0: <laughs> and
1: they're like, "Oh, you, you you're in the show?" Because everyone, all the galleries there knew that this show was currently in town, uh-huh. right? It was um, what was it? O- Oil Painters of America. Uh huh. They had a show in Scottsdale, and I walked into Gallery Russia, which was my first choice. Because they were a small gallery and they could focus on me, which is what people told me I should do. Mm-hmm. Don't get into a big gallery that doesn't mm-hmm. care about you. Um, and I, I sold at their gallery for like two or three years. Mm-hmm. And then I started Proco and I just, I haven't been. Well,
0: one thing for, is it Olivia? Yes. Olivia is that the relationships with the people at the galleries are very important. Because uh, I've, almost all the people I've known who set out to make their living with selling art through a gallery. Most of them have not been able to carry through with it and actually make a living with it. They make a little money with it oh, but really? only a little money with it, yeah. But one of them, one of them has made a good living and it took him years to get to the level where the sales of those paintings. What does a gallery keep? What's the percentage they keep?
1: It depends. It's If you're starting out, they could keep up to 50.
0: Yeah. And then they uh, make you pay for the frames too, right?
1: They pay, f- you know, you pay for the frames, they pay for the shipping to the the, um, the, the collector, mm-hmm. they pay for the marketing, mm-hmm. which I mean, it depends on the gallery how much they, marketing they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you pay for all the supplies obviously to make the painting and you pay for the frame, you have to ship it to them as well. Yeah. Uh, but they pay for the space, but right. if you're really famous and you have leverage because you could just go to another gallery, Yeah. Um, they'll take like 30.
0: Yeah, if you got people that you say, I like working with these people, I want a, a long-term relationship, it's fair, that would be great.
1: Yeah, everyone I know has a crappy gallery story. I know. They take advantage of people. I know.
0: It's, um, it's notorious. That's why, that's that's the reason I mention it is that what, part of your, what you're marketing, uh, what you're seeking, what you're marketing for is not just buyers, but someone who is a good seller for your work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. But,
1: I'll, go ahead, sorry. They
0: may might not feel like it because you feel more needy to get your stuff sold.
1: But I would say today, in today's world, don't just rely on the gallery to sell your stuff. Um, build your brand online, get known as an artist, um, and start selling online as well. Sell your own stuff, don't
0: just sell at the galleries. Online is Um, your gallery.
1: It could be, yeah. I mean, galleries still have a place. Yeah. Maybe not 20 years from now, I don't
0: know. I think they will because of the village thing, you know, that this is our our little area.
1: Probably. But it's definitely less than now. Artists don't have to be in galleries anymore. Artists could just sell their own stuff, Mm -hmm. but they do still have their place. And I would say even if you are trying to get in galleries, still learn how to sell. Learn how to market yourself as an artist. Um, It's gonna be a very useful skill when the gallery just closes down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, what now?
0: Yeah. Um, But I think you and I both feel the same way about Olivia presenting this question is that she's thought it through. She's, She's on her way. She's doing it. I don't know that we offered anything that helpful. Do you
1: have any additional gallery tips? Make sure to pick a good gallery. Like, meet the people and make sure you like them. Um, if you got a weird feeling about them, just don't. <laughs> read. Also, just read the contract. <laughs> yeah. Um, I met the people at Gallery Russia, and I knew they were genuine people mm-hmm. who... We're not trying to screw people over. Yeah, um, and they ended up being very good, genuine people that didn't screw people over. Yeah, um, but I can't say that about but, all galleries.
0: Yeah, well, these are these are little Red Riding Hood stories, right? These are the, there's wolves out there.
1: There are, yeah. Yeah, use good judgment. But that's why I think it's good to start early, is because you can have you can learn these things. Yeah, and if you get screwed, you know. Yeah. Um, You'll learn early before you have to support a family, you know.
0: I, you know, in my career, I only had a few that were really awful people that were dishonest and that kind of thing. And, and I did lose because of that. And, you know, one of them in particular, there were some people around me that said, I don't, I wouldn't trust that guy. Mm. And I remember thinking, I don't see why not. And they were right. So sometimes other people will smell. Yeah. That there's something wrong when you're not yet sensitive to what that is.
1: Oh yeah. No, that's a good thing. If you're in a if you're tr- thinking about a gallery to mm-hmm. join, look who they represent. Email those artists. Yeah. Hey, are you happy with this gallery?
0: And and they have to be they have <laughs> yeah. It's nice if they can feel feel free to tell you the truth. Too. Oh, they
1: will. Yeah. Say hey, no, if they know you're a young artist, uh huh. Tra- like trying to enter yeah. the gallery space. Yeah. They'll, they'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and don't just email one person. Email a bunch of artists. Yeah. Get a general opinion of a bunch of, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: I think most of the artists will be uh, honest.
0: Yeah. Especially if they aren't rep by the gallery anymore. Oh. That's the thing That's though. That's why some people one. aren't honest, is that if this gets back that I said this, yeah. then I'm going to have trouble. And that's why people lie all the time about their corrupt employers is that they don't want to be the target of the next purge. And so you say, what's it like working here? Oh, it's great. (sighs) It's great. We're all really happy. And it isn't the case, but they are too afraid to say it. I only had to take a client to court once and sue and I won and it was an easy win. What? It was an easy win. But I got to tell you, after dealing with this client, it was a book publisher in LA. After dealing with this client. I called up a number of my peers to ask them what their experiences were, and there was no shortage of horror stories. that Let me tell you. And so, yeah, if I'd have gotten that before I had worked for the client, it made a, it, might, it might have made a difference. But yes, they were all very free to let me know that this that is something is a you want to do loop. in
1: any business relationship. Yeah. If you're getting into a relationship with, a, with a, another company, you know, you, I want to stay with them for five, ten years, and as long as I, I can do your research first, do your due diligence and and make sure you want to get into a relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what it is, a gallery, a publisher, an agent, yeah. well, that's just good business
0: practice. Hi, this is Marshall. If you want to study with me in person in Southern California, I'm going to conduct a seminar in draftsmanship and a boot camp in draftsmanship over two weekends, July 28th and August 3rd and 4th at Cura Studios in Orange County. That's curaoc.com. It will be intense. I will fill it with information. You will learn a lot and we will work on your skills. Go to curaoc.com and under events, pull down workshops and classes and you'll find it. Hope to see you there. Marshall. What are you gonna ask me, Stan? Can you ask me today? I... Yeah, I'll ask you. What's your thing, what's your thing, Stan?
1: Do it more sexy into the microphone. What's
0: your thing, Stan? What's your thing, Stan? Do it
1: uh, more, sexy more sexy in the microphone? What's I your... don't pick up women. No, I'm saying what's your thing. No. Like, I say, like, have you, like, you ever funny. experienced bliss? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: What is your thing, Stan?
1: My thing is this skull. That no
0: one can see,
1: the listeners can't see right now.
0: Let's let's take a look at that skull.
1: I'm very proud of this skull.
0: And rightly so.
1: This is a proco anatomical skull. Yeah. We might have released the video about this already. I just recorded it. So it hasn't been released right now today, but by the time this podcast gets released, it might that video might, probably, probably, huh. will probably. Released. I released the video <laughs> on the making of the skull mm-hmm. and the story behind it. Um, but basically, it's a, it's um, anatomically correct, proportioned to how artists learn to draw portraits. Perfectly like Loomis proportions sort of thing. Yeah,
0: and the division of thirds and those kinds yeah, of things. That. Yeah, all that. Because
1: you know, you buy a skull from like, I don't know, wherever you buy skulls. Yeah. (laughs) Serial killer. Usually, they're casts from real skulls. Right. And this is a unique person. It's not, you don't learn proportions based off one person's proportions. I'm getting it. You you learn the average.
0: This is the average. This is
1: the average skull.
0: So, that means you can learn to draw average skulls. Yes, you can apply the Loomis
1: method to the skull Ah, and it will be perfect. So, that's You can overlay a Loomis head onto Profile and front view of this and it'll align
0: perfect. I want one of those. Not perfectly. That sounds great. The proportions will be. This is thought through. It's a
1: combination of Loomis and Roche because we use Roche for some of the forms, yeah. Loomis for the proportions and uh, a little bit of other research to just
0: kind of. So, this is not it. something you bought. This is something you made. Yeah. This is something you're... Listen to this.
1: What? No, no, the it, it was not. Guys, that was Marshall. It does not squeak. That, that's the jaw opening and closing. It's magnetic. Pop. It's a beautiful. Oh, screen. pop. It's got everything. It also has a tripod mount on the back, so you can put it on a little tripod, put it at any angle you want, draw from it. Boop, 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 boop. Any angle. Wow. That's it. That's all it was. <laughs> it's a skull. <laughs> Where can I like they find it. a skull? Proco dot slash skull. Skull. Skull singular. Proco slash skull. So this is brand new. Yeah. And look at this box. Okay, anyway, no, box. no more looking at things. People are like, what the f- <laughs> Listen People to listening. this box. Yeah, look at buzz. this. Listen I, to this. I
0: am very impressed, and I kind of wish you'd gone second, so because I don't have anything to follow that up with. I don't have any skull that I, I put could, together. You know
1: I could do? I could give you one, and oh, then it'll be your thing as well, because wow. you own it. Wow!
0: <laughs> I'm all for that. But I'm not going to get you oh, to buy it. Oh, darn. <laughs> okay, my turn? I'm just kidding. You can have one. Haven't I well, given wait, you one before? No, no, you haven't given me. Why don't we? Ex- I didn't give you why one. Why don't we do it in front we of the cameras now. right this here? This is
1: yours.
0: Okay, Marshall, <laughs> what's your thing? Yeah. Okay, let me tell you. It has the worst cover. Let me see. That's Lewis B. Mayer. This is a documentary on the history of Hollywood, starting in the 1890s and carrying through to the end of the 1960s, to tell us how Hollywood happened. I watched it in 2010 with my son, loved it because I always wondered how it all happened. Seven one-hour installments on the history of Hollywood. It is so filled with interesting stuff. And if you want to know about movie history, it's not world movie history. This is specifically Hollywood history and how it happened in the United States. But those seven hours will introduce you to this great sweep of what became the movie industry as we know it. Mm-hmm. It was never boring. The, int- uh, the stories about these immigrants who invented the motion picture industry in this country and then turned it into what it became, they moved from New York to Los Angeles and then the uh, the silent era and then the sound era and the depression and then the war and then the attack of the small screens, TV is gonna make it so there will be no more movies are all really interesting stories. But also, it's one of those things that's filled with an introduction to movie stars. Mm-hmm. So if you've heard of these old movie stars but you don't really know their work, This isn't going to tell you much about their work because the biggest criticism about it is that it was such broad brush strokes that you have to leave out a ton of detail. People that know the animation, the history of animation will look at it and say, really? That's what they give us this, this, this and this when it's so much richer? But they had to fit it into seven hours. I've watched this thing seven or eight times now, usually with students. It is a great introduction to not only how the movie industry happened. But you figure if you're a character designer, what are movie stars but they happen to be actors who play characters in a way that the mythology of this culture needs the person who plays this role, this role, this role, this role and this is looking at it through a lens of the last hundred years that's really, really exciting. I never get tired of it. It's uh, full of information and it's narrated with serious dignity from Christopher Plummer. Just beautifully produced. So, 2010 Moguls and Movie Stars, good documentary. Cool. That's my thing. I haven't seen thing. it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marshall.
0: You're welcome. Yeah. You want to end it? Uh, no. I want you to end it. Oh, wait. No, wait. I started it, didn't I? You did. Okay. So, it's my job to end it. Thank you for tuning in to Draftsman. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, guys, uh, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes, um, call and leave your voicemails, tell your friends about the podcast. We love you. We do. Um, and what comment should they leave on, on YouTube?
0: Uh, this one is uh, schedule hacks. Yeah. Right?
1: Schedule hacks, I
0: guess. Yeah. Things that make it so that you're more productive because you found a way to consolidate something or, yeah. or drop something or add something into it.
1: Cool. All right, guys. See you next week.
0: See ya.